Luke chapter 11, if you have a white or a blue Bible that we handed you, just like the one I got up here, it's page 507. If you have your own Bible, you got to find your own page. That's how it works. Page 507, Luke chapter 11. We've been working our way, starting last week actually, through some parables of Jesus and uh, we did the parable of the sower last week uh, because it was this monumental parable that Jesus taught uh, that he said, if you don't understand this, then you won't understand any of what I have to teach you. This is literally the key, the secret to the kingdom of heaven. So we started there uh, and we kind of extrapolated four kind of things that we saw God doing. Actually, Austin, you want to throw those on the screen? You're good at that. This is what you do when you want your sound guy to hate you is you throw him curveballs. The know God, find freedom, discover purpose. Is that up there somewhere? He'll find it. I promise he will. So we kind of found these things that were happening. Uh, and we actually see, look at him. He's great. Give him a hint. And uh, so we kind of found these four things in the parable of the sower. And today we're going to study through Luke chapter 11. Now there is a parable in Luke chapter 11. So we're not deviating from the plan to teach the parables of Jesus. But what has happened is... Uh, Jesus is going to teach a little bit, and then he's going to tell a parable, and he's going to teach a little bit more. And so instead of take the parable out of the context, we're actually just going to look at the whole chapter so that we see what Jesus was teaching when he said the parable, so we can understand the parable better, right? That's exactly what you should do in life. You should understand the context of things. Nobody likes to be taken out of context, especially Jesus. So here we go, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Actually, hold on. Before we get there, I'm going to point this out because some of y'all is about to freak. And I know this because my wife did it this week. Don't tell her I said that. I actually shouldn't have said that. My wife read it and she was like, I don't understand. And I was like, no, you should understand. You went to Bible college. Um, <laughs> when the Bible was written, all of this is getting edited out before it goes online. So see, this is what you miss when you don't come to church. The online version is not going to have any of this because I don't want to sleep on the couch. So anyway... <laughs> When the Bible was written and God promised a savior in Genesis chapter three, and then he promised a family for that savior to come through. And then the rest of your Old Testament is following that family around as that family becomes the nation of Israel. And then the savior comes. He was born into the nation of Israel, just like God promised. And the New Testament starts. That savior, his name was Jesus. He was so important that the Bible ended up taking four different books and writing about his life. Okay, and so the four different books are written by four different authors. And what they are, are there four different perspectives on the life of Jesus. And so what it is, is we get this incredible picture of Jesus from different angles. Like, and this guy saw this happen, and this guy heard this, and this took place here, and they, this guy remembers that, and this guy remembers this. And so we get these four accounts of the life of Jesus, and they are, in your Bible, you probably have heard these names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, and so that's what we are reading today when we get to the book of Luke. What Luke is about to tell you, the story he's about to tell, is a, a story that is very familiar to almost everybody in here. You've probably heard it before. It's the Lord's Prayer, okay? And what has happened is you are used to hearing it from Matthew chapter 6, not from Luke chapter 11. And so when we were, I was telling my wife, she was getting ready for the kids. And I, she's like, where are you going to be? And I was like, Luke chapter 11. She's like, 
they took things out of the Lord's Prayer. I was like, no, they didn't take things out. It's just a different guy telling the story. And if that bothers you, there are easy explanations for this. The first possibility is that Jesus taught this more than once. Okay, that's, that happens all the time. In fact, I've taught these four things about 50 times over the last six months uh, in different contexts, and sometimes I say different things. So maybe in Matthew chapter 6, he taught the full Lord's Prayer that you're used to, our Father who art in heaven, right now, the whole thing. And then in Luke chapter 11, it was a different time, and he just didn't use as many words. It was just another teaching on prayer, and maybe this was a different time altogether. That's possible. Or it's also possible that Matthew, because he was Jewish and used to the Jewish way of doing things and super into the scriptures and very detail-oriented and communicating to Jewish people who would also be very detail-oriented, he's like, I'm writing this down word for word. And then Luke, who is uh, a little more Gentile-focused, more to the Greek uh, group of people was just kind of like, I don't need to be word for word. I'm just going to write the general idea so they get the point. That, that's, either one of those is a very easy explanation. We didn't take pieces out of your Bible if you were wondering. So everybody agree with me. I'm not going to freak out when we read Luke chapter 11. Okay, nod with me. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Starting in verse one. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus is praying, apparently. Uh, we are told actually in many places throughout Jesus' ministry that he would get up early in the morning and go by himself before the sun was even up to pray. And so it seems like on one of those occasions, I picture in my mind even like, you know, everybody's kind of stirring. They, uh, they probably camped out a lot of those days, not camping like you're thinking of camping with like tents and stuff, but just like finding places to sleep with shelter, caves and things like that. And uh, Jesus comes back and the disciples are, maybe they had a fire going on and they're like, where were you? And he's like, I was praying. Or maybe they just knew he was praying. And they're like, teach us to pray. Could you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, absolutely. Because in the Jewish context, it was commonplace and not only common, but like part of communicating and connecting with God to pray. It was just like, we pray. That's just what we do, right? So uh, someone who wasn't familiar with the religious practices of the Jews and stuff, like maybe someone who grew up in America would be like, wait, wait we need to pray? Like, that's not just internal to us, whereas it would have been to a Jewish person. But they are under, all the disciples are Jewish. So they're like, teach us how to pray. They aren't telling us like, should we pray? They know they should pray. 
they ask him to teach them how to pray. And this is what he says. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And what we see Jesus teaching here is that prayer is not just asking God for stuff. Do you see that? Like some of you, uh, you know, aren't super familiar with prayer, but you know that like it's kind of this magic thing that Christians do to get their way. That, that's actually not in the Bible, right? Prayer is not just asking God for stuff. There's a back and forth that we see, right? The first thing he says is, hallowed be your name. And then he's saying, give us each day our daily bread. And then he's saying, forgive us of our sins, right? There's, there's this back and forth kind of interaction with God that is taking place here. It's not just like, hey, God, I need stuff. And it really sucks not to have it. So can you give it to me? Like, that's not the full thing of prayer. And that actually brings us to our first point. There's going to be four of them. Three of them? I don't know. I'll see when I get there. The first one is prayer is communication with God. Prayer is simply communication with God. And we put that thing on the screen, which we're going to put back up in a second. Um, knowing God is dependent like, it's a relationship, right? That's what God is trying to accomplish. He wants you to know him. And you cannot know anybody. You cannot know anything without communication. You couldn't say that you know somebody. You couldn't say that you know God if you never communicated with, if you never interacted with God. And so the way that God has ordained for communication to take place mostly is through prayer. That is the primary means of God's communication with humanity. Right? That's what's supposed to be happening. And so what we see is once we understand that prayer is simply communication with God, there's actually some really great things that come out of that. And the first is this. Prayer doesn't have to be long. Now, we get this idea, like, if, I, if you came over to my house for Thanksgiving, I was like, hey, would you pray for us? You, like, you'd get this deer in the headlights, right? Because there's this expectation, like, it has to be a certain length. And it has to sound a certain way. And like, there's, there's none of that is actually in this passage. None of that is actually in Jesus teaching this, right? If you read this word for word, it would take you like 10 seconds. I actually timed myself this week. During the week, I was like, oh, Father, hallowed be thy Right? 10 seconds. That's it. That's the entirety of the prayer that Jesus teaches. Now, he's not saying word for word you need to say this and repeat this over and over again. Because later on in the Bible, we will see Jesus praying. And he doesn't use these exact words. And then we will see followers of Jesus praying. And they don't use these exact words. But these are the kinds of things that you should be praying for. Okay? And it doesn't have to be long. When you're communicating with God, it doesn't have to. Some people take a long time to get out what they need to say. Some people don't. That's okay. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what your communication style is. And the second thing when you understand that prayer is communication with God is you don't have to use specific words. Some of you think like if you don't use these or thou's, then it's not really prayer. And God can't even hear that. You didn't say thouest at all, right? That, that, that's actually... That's not true. That's not in the Bible, right? You get to use the words that mean something to your heart. The third thing that we understand when prayer is communication, the pressure to pray correctly is off. I don't know if you've ever felt that pressure. Like I, Sometimes you read these uh, verses on prayer and you get this idea that 
there's a lot of pressure on you to pray more and pray the right things and pray the right way. And we don't see any of that in the scripture. It takes him 10 seconds. It's very simple. And he just says stuff like, forgive me my sin. Like I forgive other people. God, make your name great in the, in the earth. God, give me what I need for today. Like this is very simple stuff. There's not a lot of pressure. There's not this like, oh, if you don't pray for it, then it's not going to happen. If you don't pray for the right things, it's not going to happen. Or even worse, if you pray for the wrong thing, it might happen. You should never have prayed for that. Why'd you ask God for that? He gave it to you. No, God's not up there just like, oh, he prayed for it, so I have to give it to him now. No, no, that's not what's happening, right? And the pressure now to pray correctly is off when you understand it's just communication with God. And when we take it back into a father-son or, you know, we, he says at the beginning, father, like that, that's a huge piece to the puzzle, right? When your children communicate with you, are you worried about the words they use? Well, sometimes, right? Sometimes my kid says something like, hey, don't talk like that to me. But most of the time, I just want us to communicate. Just ask me. Let's just talk. Let's have communication. I never get tired of him asking me about stuff. Hey, what about this in my life? What about this? Like, this is what should be happening if you have a relationship with your father is you should be communicating. Which brings us to our second point. The goal of prayer is God's will. Let me say that again, because many people get this wrong. The goal of prayer is God's will. Prayer is how God accomplishes his will on the earth. It says, your kingdom come. It doesn't say, my kingdom come. It doesn't say, my will be done. Like, it's your kingdom come. Like, the, the goal of this is for God to accomplish his plan and his purposes through my life, not for me to manipulate God in some way to accomplish my plans and my purposes. And lots of people don't understand. Lots of people think, oh, prayer is now how I'm going to get something for me. I'm going to get something I want done. And prayer is actually, in your communication with God, your heart will be changed and molded into what will accomplish his will on this planet. And that is actually the thing that is best for you in the end anyway. If you look at that line where it says, hallowed be your name, the word hallowed, it means to greatly revere or honor. So, so the prayer here is, God, greatly revered and honored should your name be in all of the earth. Everybody should know how awesome you are, how incredible you are, how powerful you are, how worthy you are. Like that is the, the opening line of this prayer. Not... Everybody should know how awesome I am. Everybody should know how much I need this. Everybody should know how I'm really a good person. I'm just misunderstood. That, that's not the goal of the prayer. The prayer that starts with the heart that is honoring to God first and foremost, that's the prayer that is communicating with God in the way that should be communicated. Which leads us to our third point. The posture of prayer is humility. The posture of prayer is humility. There is an admission, even in going to prayer, that you can't handle it on your own. Which is probably why we don't pray as much as we should. Because we all think we can handle it, right? We all think we got this. No, we're good. I can handle this. I can take care of it. I don't need to ask God. I'll figure it out. Because to actually come to God in prayer, like just, in, just inherently is an admission that I don't got this, that I do need help, that I cannot handle this. 
right? There's a humbling process when you say, Lord, we need, I, there's, we, I need some communication with you right now. There's a situation going on in my life I don't understand. Or I don't even know what situation is coming up in my life right now. And this is great because, like I said, it takes the pressure off. Like, if you were as in control as you think you are, prayer would be terrifying. You know why? Because you and I are stupid, and we don't even know what to pray for in the first place. We pray for stuff to be taken out of our lives that really needs to be in there. Or we pray for stuff to be in our lives that would destroy us. Right? And so when we humbly come before God and say, you know what? The truth is, I don't really know what the best outcome in this situation is. The truth is, I think that I would like this to happen, and I think that this would be easier and more comfortable for me, but I don't know. We've all been in situations where we thought getting this thing would help us, and then we got it, and it was terrible. Am I the only one? Right? We all had that ex-girlfriend or boyfriend from high school that we wanted to marry, and it didn't work out, and we're all like, hallelujah. Right? I know I'm not the only one in there. We all have those situations where we thought we knew and we didn't know. And so we come in prayer to God in humility, knowing that we don't know. And that's the posture of prayer. <clears throat> now, the last thing I'll do before we move on, we can throw that thing back up there again. Last week, we talked about these four steps of discipleship, and it was our mission as a church. And if those four steps are as essential to the plan of God as we said they were, if those four steps are as baked into the plan of God for every single life as we said that they were last week, if, like Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of my teaching, then what should happen is we should look at this prayer teaching and we should see those four things happening. We should see those four steps of discipleship taking place. Right? If they're as important as we said they were last week, then we should be able to find them in the way that Jesus is teaching us how to pray, right? So let's look. First, he instructs us to call God Father. Sounds like knowing God, doesn't it? Sounds like understanding your relationship. Second, his instruction is for us to pray. And we know that prayer is all communication with God and an invitation then to know God. So in even calling us to pray, in even calling us to pray to God our Father, there is an invitation to know God deeper. I was actually just talking to someone uh, a couple weeks ago, nah, maybe a couple months ago. I don't know. I'm old. I forget. It was a while ago, right? And he was saying, you know what? Me and my wife are going through this hard thing. We weren't like really sure what to do. We're like, eh. And my wife's like, let's pray about it. And he goes, okay. Kind of rolled his eyes. He's like, yeah, we can pray about it, but like, that's not going to help us. So we prayed. And the next morning, God answered our prayer out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Remember we talked about knowing God is information and experience. As you pray stuff like that, and God answers your prayer, I give credit to this guy, because this guy was like, that, that was... That was supernatural. That was not just like, there's something going on. Yes, God wants you to know him. That's what's going on. God's saying, see, look at who I am. Look at how I act. Look at what I do. Like that is God revealing himself to someone with the intention of you knowing him more. Like we see it in this prayer. All right, second one, finding freedom. We talked about finding freedom last week. 
Do you remember how, what we talked about finding freedom from? Sin. And what were the two kinds of sin that we needed freedom from? Sin that we've committed and sin that we've, has been committed against us. Do you see that type of freedom anywhere in here? Look at the prayer. Look at the verses. Don't look at me right now. Look at the verses. Verse 4. Forgive us our sins. See confession and repentance. And we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's what we said last week, right? We're called to find freedom. We're called to find freedom from sin. The way we get sin out of our life that we've committed is we confess and repent, forgive us our sins. And the way we get sin out of our life that people have committed against us is we forgive as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. It's right there in the prayer. Do you see it? Nod your head. Good. Third one. Discover purpose. Do you see a clear purpose in the prayer? I do. Your kingdom come. You see that? Sounds like a purpose to me. Why are we doing this? For your kingdom to come. Why are we doing all? Why are we praying at all? That your kingdom would come. That's the purpose. That's the end goal. That's the reason you have been gifted life and breath and energy and the gifts to bring forth and manifest the kingdom of God. And the fourth step, make a difference. Look at, look at where is it? Verse three, give us each day our daily bread. Here's, here's another way to say it that may give you a little bit different perspective. Give me what I need today to make a difference today. If it's bread, then give me bread. If it's time, then give me time. If it's energy, then give me energy. If it's eyes, then give me eyes. If it's understanding, give me understanding. If it's wisdom, give me wisdom. Give me what I need today to make a difference today. And then when tomorrow comes, I'll pray it again. Give me tomorrow what I need to make a difference tomorrow, that your kingdom would come. Do you see that? All right, he's saying, I don't know what I need today. I think I know because I'm prideful, but I'm going to take this posture of humility before you. I'm going to say your name be honored and revered in this world. I'm going to say your kingdom come. And then I'm going to say, you give me what I need to make a difference today. We see it, right? We see the four steps of discipleship. Now, maybe this clarified something about prayer for you, or maybe it reinforced some truth in your mind. But for the most part, what we just talked about isn't groundbreaking, right? Is this news to anybody that prayer is a good idea? That, like nobody walked in this morning and was like, wait, we're supposed to pray? Why didn't nobody tell me that? No, we all knew that. Like even like people who have no relationship with God, they kind of know like maybe I should talk to them. Like you don't believe he exists. Why should you talk to him? It's kind of weird, right? Well, maybe because God created all of us and we're built in with this Holy Spirit thing. But anyway, I'm not getting into that. We all kind of know we should pray. It's not groundbreaking when you walk in and like, I was like, hey, you should pray. And this is why you should pray. You're like, yeah, we get that. But Jesus is now going to give a parable about prayer. And it's going to be kind of from a perspective, maybe that you weren't expecting right? He's not going to tell you, hey, you guys all should feel bad because you don't pray enough. That's actually not Jesus' teaching, which is weird because most people, when they go to church, that's what they end up feeling like when they leave, right? We do a teaching on prayer and everybody leaves feeling like, I should probably pray more because I'm not very good at it. That's actually not what Jesus taught. Um, and maybe it was in the Greek or something, like verse 5b, like feel bad because you don't pray enough. That's actually not in here. But what he does do is he tells this parable. Verse 5, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend 
will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he'll rise and give him whatever he needs. So here's the story that Jesus tells. It's midnight. You're in bed. Maybe you've been asleep for an hour, three hours, depending on how many kids you have. And the doorbell rings and you wake up. You're like, what? What? Do, 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 do. Right? Doorbell and banging on the door. You're like, okay, it's important. And you get up there, you're like, who is it? And it's some guy, right? It's actually a guy you know. It's a friend, it says, right? Hey, I'm from across the street. It's Frank. Uh, we had some visitors. I got no bread. You got some bread? And Jesus says, you're going to give him bread if you have bread. You know why? Just because he asked. Just because he had the guts to get up, put on clothes, cross the street, and knock on your door knowing you were asleep. That's why you're going to give him bread. It has nothing to do with your friendship. Nobody's standing there at midnight going like, you know what? If we were better friends, I'd give you the bread I have here. But you're like a six on the friend scale, so go away. <laughs> Nobody says that. Jesus says, think about it. You're not going to evaluate your friendship in that moment. Like, are we good enough friends to give him my bread? I kind of want toast in the morning. I don't know. Mm. No, if you have bread, because he asked, because he had the boldness and the guts to get up, cross the street, knock on the door, you're going to give him the bread. And he says, prayer is the same way. If you come to God with that kind of boldness, if you have the lack of humility or the lack of pride, that's what keeps us from going across the street at midnight, right? I'd much rather go to the store, and all of you would, because you don't want your neighbors to look down on you, right? That's why we all do it. Well, well, is Walmart still open? I'd rather go there. Even though it would be way faster and easier to go across the street, you'd rather get in your car and drive somewhere so you didn't have to feel bad for waking up your neighbors and maybe they would think badly about you. So in your pride, you're like, mm, I'd rather go to the store instead of going to my neighbors. And so Jesus says, if you swallow your pride, if you swallow your pride, Take the posture of humility that you should have in prayer and you come to God with boldness and you pray for these types of things. Father, give me what I need today to make a difference. Father, forgive my sin. Father, allow me to forgive those who have sinned against me. Father, open my eyes to how your kingdom could come in my life. Father, highly honored and revered be your name in the way that I do things today. If you come with that kind of heart, with those kind of requests, in that kind of humility, look at what he says. Verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So that's why we did this in context. Because you may have heard that verse before, and if you didn't know what Jesus was teaching about prayer or how he was saying prayer should work or the heart behind the prayer or the parable that he just told revealing boldness, then you would kind of see that as like a genie in a lamp situation, right? Wait, I can ask and get? I can get whatever I want. And some people see this. Some people read this and like, I can do whatever I want. I can knock on whatever door and it'll be open. That's not actually what Jesus prayed. 
But what he is going to do is those people who understand what prayer is for, who understand the heart behind it, who understand the kinds of things that prayer is intended to accomplish, they are going to get what they ask for. They're going to have the doors open that need to be opened. They are going to receive when they seek. And then he finishes with this little teaching. He said, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here's where we end up. Jesus says, when you come to God in prayer with boldness for his intentions for your life, he's not going to give you something awful. He's a loving father. He's not going to play a trick on you. And this is kind of funny because like, this is like backhanded insult. Jesus is like, you guys kind of suck. And like, if you guys give your kids good stuff, like how much more God who's awesome is going to give his kids great stuff? He's like, you guys are evil. And you give your kids good stuff. When your kid asks for a, a, a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a rock and watch him chip his tooth and go, oh, that was funny, right? No, you're not going to do that. When he asks for a fish, that's what they used to eat back in the day. They would dry them and they'd carry them around. There was like this poor, like beef jerky kind of a thing. They'd dry fish. When he says like, dad, give me some beef jerky, you're not going to give him a snake and like watch it bite him and be like, ah. Like that, nobody would do that. And sometimes we think God is withholding something from us that we've asked for or giving us something that we don't really want. Like he's tricking us. Like that's, that's a lie from Satan, I hope you know. Like God is not withholding things from you. There aren't like this like giant pool of incredible things that God could do for your life uh, and he's just keeping them from you because he wants your life to be harder. He's like, I know I could give this thing to Stephen, but I'm not going to, and then, you know, yeah, I'll watch him suffer. That's what you get for sitting in the front, Stephen, right? I, like, that, that's not happening, okay? God's not holding back good things from you just to watch you squirm. God knows what he's doing. In fact, I've heard it said this way. God answers every prayer that you pray the exact way that you would answer the prayer if you knew what he knew. Think about that. If you knew what he knew, you'd answer prayer the exact way that he is answering your prayer now. We can rest in that then. Like I said, the pressure's off. You don't have to pray for the right things and not pray for the, it just becomes communication with God. Hey, I, I got a day coming up, Lord. I want to I wanna understand that you're my father. You have good things in store for me. I pray that I would honor you and revere your name and make much of you in this day. I pray that your kingdom would come. I pray that you would open our eyes for how that could happen. I pray that you'd give me the things I need for today to make a difference for today. I pray you'd forgive me of my sin. I pray you'd give me the grace to forgive other people. Like that's an incredible prayer. That's, that's what should be happening in our lives. So let's finish up here. Jesus says, these are the things you should be praying for. This is the attitude you should have. And the expectation at the end of it all is that God will answer your prayer out of love. God will give you good things. And then he said this interesting thing. He said, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? So the Holy Spirit is God's spirit in the world. Uh, you know, sometimes we get this really creepy, like, 
version of it. Like, oh, it's scary and weird. It's not. It's just like some of you have felt like God was speaking to you at some point in time. Some of you have felt like God was leading you. Some of you have situations in your life where felt like God directed you. That's just the Holy Spirit, okay? Like, it doesn't have to be a super weird, creepy, like, right? Like, I don't know, like blue cloud feathers. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It could just be like, you know what? I was walking down the street, and I felt like I should say hi to this guy, and I did. And he was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. And I gave him 20 bucks, and, like, my spirit was lifted, and he was encouraged. And, like, that's the Holy Spirit, right? It's not super creepy. But what Jesus says is that when you pray, God will give you the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like Jesus says, whatever you ask for, the answer is the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, your will be done, Holy Spirit. Hallowed be your name, Holy Spirit. Forgive us our sin, Holy Spirit. Help me forgive others. Holy Spirit. Like the, it's like almost like whatever the prayer is, the answer is the Holy Spirit. And I think that's such an important point to end on today. Because we did this last week. And some of you were like, wow, that's a really good plan. And I actually am personally excited about it because it felt like it brought so much clarity to what God is doing in our lives. Like these four steps of discipleship. Like, yes, we get the plan. But the way forward is not to go try and implement the plan. The way forward is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's why we did this parable right after the first one. Because we all got excited. We're like, there's a plan. There is a plan for your life. And, and what we do as Americans is we hear the plan and we immediately shift from listening for the plan to doing the plan. And that's not what God is calling us to do here. Like, okay, we got the plan, and our success or failure in the plan of discipleship is not based on how hard you try or your enthusiasm for the plan or how well you understand the plan or even that you have a plan. Your success or failure is based on whether or not you listen to the Holy Spirit. The path forward is not a path of accomplishing. The path forward is a plan of listening. We need to change our primary objective from doing the plan, because we're like, we know what God wants. We'll just go out and do it. No, no, to listening to how he wants to do the plan. That's what this prayer is about. It's a posture of primarily listening. That's the way forward. That's the way forward for every single person in here this morning. We do this thing where we get the plan, and we think that our new plan is to make that plan happen. That's not, that's not the new plan. Our primary function needs to be a shift. A shift from going and doing to listening. Right? There will be times when the Holy Spirit calls you to go and do. But if you haven't stopped and listened first, you're missing it. If you never take time to stop and listen first, you're missing it. The path forward is to listen for the Holy Spirit. That's the key to all of this. You could go out and be like, I want to make a difference. You will not make a lasting difference unless you first listen to the Holy Spirit. You can go out and be like, I want to be free. You will never be free unless you first listen to the Holy Spirit. I want to know what my plan for my life is. What's my purpose? You will never find your purpose unless you first listen for the Holy Spirit. I want to know God. You cannot know God apart from the Spirit. Amen.